Yo. I'm, you know, I'm still not 100% comfortable with my yo's. Yo. No, it's too piratey. Yo. Yo. Welcome to another episode of the Bringing It Back podcast. Holy shit. I just, I got to <laughs> edit all that out. Bringing no, it back you can't podcast? edit that out. Fuck. What am I thinking? Bringing it from? back. Okay, welcome to the Bringing It Back podcast, where we're discovering the integrity. We're dissecting the where it went podcast. Yeah, jeez. Bringing man. it back. Okay. Anyway, well, I was you know I love integrity, and I was listening to the Seven Inch recently, so I, that's what I'm just going to blame it on. Integrity, bringing it back. Shout out to Ed Hellion. But listen, this is the this actually is the where it went podcast, where we, myself, Javier. Greg and Jason Mazzola are discussing, dissecting, and mm, what's another word that rhymes with D or it starts with D there? Dissecting, digesting. Diving. Diving. Deep diving. diving. That's a double there. Double. Into the Revelation Records discography. And this week, Greg, tell them what we got. I'm sorry. This episode I God, I, I just wish we could redo this whole thing, but I'm, I've got a little bit of a brain fog, if you know what I mean, people. So, <laughs> Greg, what are we discussing this episode? So this time, we are talking about, or we can say this episode. Yeah. yeah. This episode, we're Rev 16, Shelter, Perfection of Desire. This is a big record, I think, um, just for life for some people. Um, and it was just a huge, uh, I, I would argue, and I, I don't know if it was included in our recording or not, but I would say that to me, this record is almost really the start of the change of revelation. Like you had the judge LP was 15. Um, but then this is like, a whole because even the stuff after this, the youth of today seven inch, the judge seven inch is all much more progressive okay. than the early. Yeah, stuff. you know, I've always kind of put it at 22, but you're right. This is the first real deviation from the kind of youth crew sound, the New York hardcore sound. Um, and from here, then, like you said, youth of today. The, the self-titled 7-inch does sound different from all the rest of the youth of today. It's still got that, you know, the fall, the, the fire, and it's got the passion, but it is a little bit different. And then you got Inside Out, Super Touch, Judge, Burn. Burn. So, yeah, you're right. I've always put it at, at – I've always put that on Burn – but I guess we could just well, we say – We call the college years, right, right. after Burn? You know, I Let's guess we could just say – like, we could just say it's 1990 because, there you, go. you know, that is uh, – because bringing it down was still 89, right? Or was it 90? It was 89. It was 89. Okay, so then 1990, new decade, new sound, new views, new culture. So, okay, now we're in the 90s. and That's a good point. This is the first yeah. record released in, in – And Krishna Core was a very 90s thing. Right, yeah. the you got the fashion with all the the beads. You got the the a slew of bands. You've got new uh, views coming into hardcore. You got more discussions. 
And so, yeah, uh, 1990. And I know, I know previous guest on the pod on the P- Patreon, um, Norman Brannan had often said that he felt like the kickoff to 90s hardcore, the 90s era of hardcore was the 1990 Quicksand uh, Inside Out Shelter tour, uh, you know, the first show being, I think, at the Anthrax. He said to him that was like the start of 90s. And uh, I got to say, even as someone who wasn't, you know, I wasn't around 1990. Sure. Uh, but uh, sounds about right to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, it looks like it's already that time that we're going to. What's up, Revelation Records fans? Joe from Hellminded Records here to fill you in on some of the killer records we're churning out. So stick around for just one minute and I'll drop some info on how to win a free Shades Apart test press along with a special coupon code for our web store at hellmindedrecords.com. Kicking things off is the first record in 19 years by New Jersey's finest power trio and former Revelation recording artist Shades Apart. Mixed and mastered at the Blasting Room, Eternal Echo is a 10-song shredder which is now available on limited Blue Ocean Waves and Black Vinyl. Keep an eye on in 2021 for more coming from Shades Apart. Next in line, the first release in over 27 years from legendary New Jersey hardcore unit No Escape. Featuring Tim Singer of Dead Guy and Kiss a Goodbye along with Steve Cordello of Turning Point, this brand new six-song 12-inch is due out late January 2021. Pre-orders begin early December 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. On deck for spring 2021, we've got several killer releases in the hopper, including the debut LP by South Philly's crossover thrashers, Honey. Featuring Jay Laughlin from Turning Point on guitar and vocals, this record is for fans of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, and Mind Force. And that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hellminded Records and sign up for our mailing list for a chance to win a free Shades Apart test press. You can also use the code WHEREITWENT to save 10% on any order between now and November 30th, 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. So that was our friends, Hellminded Records. Uh, check them out. Uh, like I said, there's a code there. You can get a discount. Um, I checked out the one record on their Second Arrows uh, recently. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, I believe it's my good friend. Chris Ross? Yes, Chris Ross. Yeah, from wow. Nora, right? Yeah, Nora. so uh, when I was in That's, a touring... This seems like up your shit, up your I, alley. It is, yeah. When I was in a touring <laughs> band, we stayed at Chris Ross's house quite frequently in New Jersey. And... Um, there was a diner around the corner that was like a tr- typical New Jersey diner that served the French fries in the bag with the p- wooden fork and the ketchup is in there. And I have very good memories of my time in New Jersey and shout out bit of bow to Chris Ross and second arrows. There's a discount code. So use yes. it. So they yeah. know, you know, and, and order the record, but yeah, we got another, uh, we got another thing that we want to shout it this episode right uh we have another sponsor this and it's episode. topical very topical very topical jason who's who's uh, the other sponsor we have today we got uh and and hits records and hits records and, just put and out. hits and where does what is end hits a reference to i don't know Fugazi, come on, you are literally dude, I'm the off. worst. Do your homework. PC 
person podcast. Ever. I know. You, for, <laughs> hey, for being the brains behind this podcast, sometimes I question your yeah, homework. Fair enough. Fair so enough. why end hit so? How does that tie into uh, what we're talking about today? Well, they're doing a reissue of When 20 Summers Pass, and they did a great job with the packaging for this. It's got a pop-up altar. It's got colored vinyl. It's got a all kinds of cool stuff. Fancy awesome shirts you can tattoo order. Tattoo flash. Yeah, tattoo flash so by Jared Gaines. He lives in Richmond. You know what's so. cool too is that Twenty Summers actually have passed yeah. since the record came out. <laughs> and I'll say this: I I am not big on reissues where the cover is changed, but this one looks awesome. I like, think. Everything about the that I've seen online, we got a little preview before it launched of everything that was coming out the shirts, the um, like you said, the pop up inside the art. Yo, this is done well. This looks very nice. All of it. There's a picture disc, yeah, there's a CD. Like so, this the, is so the gatefold, great. the gatefold, like Jason mentioned, it has a gatefold vinyl, and you open it up, and it actually has like the pop up books from when we were kids, but it has like an altar, a really nice looking altar. Um, there's deluxe packages that come with a bead bag for you know chanting beads, uh, like Javier said, tattoo flash. The deluxe also has five extra songs. I figure I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what yeah. they are. Uh, there's two songs from the rebirth of hardcore comp, the super soul comp. Remember hearing those shelter songs for the first time on there. Yeah. And it just sounds like it was like fast hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, I remember it, it almost like you couldn't, and this is not in a bad way. You couldn't differentiate between the better than a thousand and the shelter. Like they were mm. like, yeah. And it was cool. Cause it was coming after beyond planet earth. So it was really neat to hear these like fast, uh, hardcore songs again from shelter. Uh, but there's also a song called Yes, I Can, um, a song. The, so the two comp songs and then the other three are from the 120 Summers Past Sessions. Yes, I Can and I Am a Rock, which is a uh, Simon and Garfunkel cover. And didn't uh, our, our dear friend Parmanenda say that those were like recently discovered on some dat tape? Why can't I just get through to you is the yeah. one that was just, just okay. discovered. Oh, that's and, right. It was like lost until right. until and 20 summers passed. It's it's on streaming services right now as a preview. Yeah. And it's a good track, man. It, it it really reminds me almost of the earlier shelter, um, you know, which is what we're going to talk about today. But um, I see I would have loved if it was on the album. But in a way, I see why they left it off because it doesn't necessarily fit the feel of the 20 summers pass mm. um but because it does it really reminds me of like uh you know i know parmananda porcel had told javier and i before we heard it that it sounded like fugazi and i can see that a little bit in the in the groove which again ties back to when we did the interview with shelter i mentioned how i always heard that dc uh kind of influence especially when when porcel joined on guitar i think he kind of added that uh dc sound but yeah end hits records in the u.s you can get it through death wish inc um and uh it looks like some of the versions are already sold, sold out, out or selling yeah. out so yeah. get on it you will not regret it it looks absolutely beautiful and uh oisey 
who does the label is such a rad guy. I've been having uh, back and forth. He's just a, a sweet guy and you can just tell he really cares about um, what he's doing and what he's offering. And he wants to make sure that he's making the best product that he yeah. can. And um, the better than a thousand that they did, I have that. And it, it looks beautiful. Came with a fanzine, which the shelter deluxe also comes with a really cool zine. So uh, bit of bow to end hits records, bit of bow to mm-hmm. shelter and bit of bow to oisey. I've uh, been doing a bit of a, a shelter deep dive the past month or so, actually ever since the episode on meep meep came out about mantra. Um, it was a really, really great episode. I really liked that he had different interviewees and not together. Like, you know, he interviewed Adam and he interviewed Porcel and he got like different perspectives of it. So not the chaos that we have. Yeah, not the, <laughs> the crosstalk. And uh, so I did listen to Beyond Planet Earth this week. I have a Japanese promo cassette version of that, which looks really cool. And I have then, an original vinyl. Yeah, and, and I, I I did have to download uh, Eternal from a blog and uh you know and then just listening to perfection of desire a few times and it's so crazy and and raganath even expounds upon this about even more not only does every record sound different but on the different records there's uh, a whole wild journey going on so it's cool um i hope that this episode uh, encourages people to explore the shelter the entire shelter catalog and i task you with listening to the shelter catalog in chronological order get back to us tell us what you think before we dive into the interview with raganath and a special surprise guest who uh, we didn't really know was coming on in the middle of it there i thought that i would take this time to let everybody know it's never been discussed on this before maybe inferred Maybe if you know us in person, but we've never talked about it because it's not really relevant to the podcast, but I myself, Javier, and my co-host Greg are both Hare Krishna devotees. Um, Both of us about five years now into this, uh, five summers have passed for us in this this movement. I I think even in the interview, you'll hear just so people like I also I took initiation which uh, Raghunath talks about, as people know, he was Ray Capo and he took initiation. He goes by both names, you know, uh, and uh, so I have the name Gora Shakti Das. So I think that yeah, might- so I refer to Greg in, in our, between ourselves, I refer to him as GSD. So if yeah. you ever see that come up, that's uh, Greg's spiritual name, Gora Shakti Das. I myself have not been initiated, so I'm just plain old Javier. Um, and <clears throat> it's just, you know, it's a thing that we do. It's a thing that we are, uh, it's fun. And I think that this journey that we're on has given us a, two things there. It's given us a little bit more of an insight into say this interview or being able to talk to Raghunath. Um, some of the stuff that maybe Jason didn't know about, we already knew about or, yes. or, you know, but then also, <laughs> this record, maybe not this record in particular, but Shelter and 108 directly influenced us to start on this path of Krishna consciousness. A word that you'll hear 
brought up a lot in this interview is bhakti. That is um, devotional service to God. It's love of God. It's love of Krishna. So you hear that a lot. If you bhakti have the yoga, yeah, bhakti yoga. Any questions that you have, any concerns that you have, if you're curious, if you want a book, if you want to talk, whatever you need, please, please reach out to myself or Greg via social media on Instagram. I am all over this town. Greg is Greg Pollard. You could use where it went. You could use email, whatever you want. I got a case of books. I'll send you a book, man. Uh, whatever, you know, we'll talk. If you want to debate, we'll debate. If you want to chat, if you want to just reach out and, and join the network, yo, wh- whatever. Um, I love talking to people that are into Christian consciousness, but also into hardcore. I've and, sent uh, a lot of books to people I have as well. are, uh, over the years. And um, it's, it's a cool thing. And if you, if you don't want to talk about it, if you don't like it, that's cool too. That's yeah. doesn't, and way, I doesn't think you'll still enjoy the interview if you're yeah. a fan of Yo, this was a great, uh, kind of brief interview with, with Raghunath about perfection of desire. And I'm stoked that we got to do this. So let's, let's jump it. in. Yep. everybody we are here today with one of our favorite interviewees that we've had on here so far and it's because he is so knowledgeable engaging and fun to talk to we have raganath das aka ray capo you've known him from other bands i guess like youth of today but today we're here specifically to talk about shelter perfection of desire and I've been trying to put together a, a timeline and it, it seems that the, maybe the impetus for this journey into Krishna consciousness and ultimately shelter began in 1988. And also in 1988 was the youth of today album. We're not in this alone. So it's well documented that you went to India and you started your spiritual quest What's the relation of that to youth of today? We're not in this alone. Before, after, kind of during? Um, I was on my spiritual quest. I mean, I was always on my spiritual quest, I feel. But during We're Not in This Alone, it was, the flame was turned up higher and higher. And it really, um, by the way, thanks for having me. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Of course. The show is great. I listen to it regularly. Thank you. And, um, we listened to you. yours too. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about the episode recently with uh, Kaylee. My dear awaits. friend Kaylee. Kaylee, and, that was um, great. She's great. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And it, it was interesting hearing her talk about the early days of you and Sachi, um, Steve Reddy, and kind of introducing her then to Krishna consciousness. I, I that's the kind of Krishna core nectar that we love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Thanks. That's our little plug is our podcast, Wisdom of the Sages. Available and it's, wherever it's you great. get podcasts. I want to I tell people, even if you're not familiar with Bhakti, um, 
give it a listen. It's daily. Uh, and you know, it's, it's great. And there's something that everybody can get from it. Um, so check it out. Wisdom of the sages. Uh, and I do it with another hardcore guy. Costuba, my partner is an old hardcore guy that I knew from the, you know, we knew hanging out in the Lower East Side back in the day. And then he joined the ashram a year before me. I didn't really know him that well, but back then he just used to hang out in the city and you see people around, you see these, you know, outcast kids. And then he saw me, I saw him, but we never really were friends. And then he moved into an ashram. And then a year later, I moved into an ashram. We became friends as monks. And then years later, um, we both got into the yoga scene um, as teachers. And, uh, and then and now we're, we've been doing, every time I do a yoga teacher training, he's one of my guest speakers. And then we decided to do a yoga, uh, a yoga podcast. And he's, yoga a great, he's a great co-host. He's great. <laughs> Your energies are, are different. Um, he's the straight man and yeah. I'm crazy and all over the place. So it works out good. So definitely but, give, um, it a, give it a listen. Thank you. Uh, so getting back to your, uh, uh, your question, uh, was it, was it timeline or yeah, when did this happen? yeah. going to India um, and just deciding? So actually, like, oh, okay. So I was, we're not in this alone to me always had a little bit of a spiritual slant. Like I never got that when, when I was maybe through the lens of a secular, hardcore punk i never thought like this is a person who's on a spiritual quest right now huh okay well anyway it was it was definitely on the stairway Mm -hmm. for me um and i i will say that that success that push for like success that the 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 universe was pushing youth today towards at that time it was like so collapsing of my soul in one sense Uh, and that's maybe not hard to understand because there's a lot of people who get some type of recognition, some award, some trophy, some fame, some accolades that it ruins their life. Like their success has caused them great distress. And so I was finding that the more successful we come, I became, the more people hated me. It's, it's interesting because there, there's thousands of more that love you. But there's more, there's a handful, a big fat, fatter handful that hate you. And that is what comes with success. It's one thing in my small town where there's one crazy guy that hates me because I would mean to him once. Or, um, you know, if, suppose you live in a small town and you're a relatively kind person. Not that many people hate you. And if they do, they might have some problem. As you get a little bigger, there's a lot of people out there who can just hate you because the way you look, the way you walk, the things you say, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things, after a while, you get to a certain level of popularity and there's like vast amount of people that hate your guts. And it's, it was like sort of heartbreaking. And then another thing is, then you have fans that have loved you, but all of a sudden when No More came out, we introduced vegetarianism. And we just felt like this is what we're doing. And me and Parmananda in PAC said, by the way, I don't know how any, if anybody realizes what a bold step that was because we were already, we already established band. There was already a brand, so to speak. I, I say brand because no one thought in terms of branding, at least sure. I didn't back yeah. then, but that's what it was. It was like internal branding, the font and the logos and the visuals and stuff like that. Um, so it was a very bold statement to say, okay, you're straight edge. We're going to raise the bar a little bit. And that caused such radical backlash from our own fans. Mm-hmm. 
And then as it got bigger, it just became more and more backlash and backlash. And then, of course, you get more and more accolades and then more and more backlash. And it was such a pendulum of emotions. Uh, it was hard to even stomach. And it wasn't, it was not fun uh, even, uh, because um, you're caught in this turmoil of scene gossips and politics. And you think that shouldn't exist in a hardcore scene, and it does. Um, another thing was, whenever money comes into the picture, money always gets, money can always, can, can always get weird with things. Are we going to get this much? Are we not going to, are we worth that much? Who gets this? I booked this. Do I get money for this? I would, and I just thought, I don't want to even play this stupid game. And at the same time, I had no tools how to deal with money because I never had money. I had no tools how to deal with fame because I never had fame. I had no tools how to deal with lust because not, it's not like I was like some knockout guy that girls, but once you get famous, more and more girls think you're, you're hotter. Sure. It's one of those things. You're famous and you're hot and you're cool and you're influential. I want a piece of him. And it was just sort of like, I couldn't deal with the material energy. It's almost like if the power lines fall and there's just like, you know, um, children playing in the road. Hey, you gotta be careful. It's not like power lines are bad, but in the hands of children, they're bad. So all these things that the yogis speak about, lust, greed, anger, envy, competition, these are the enemies of spirit. These are things that trouble the spirit. And I was thinking, oh, this is, because I was into yoga and I was into reading these books of the mystics, not any particular path. I just liked that type of things. That's how I got inspired to write lyrics. Truthfully, you could find spiritual teachings all the way from, you know, break down the walls and up. Um, but it's, it, it, it's, uh, it was definitely, uh, I'm losing my train of thought. Why don't you guys jump in now at this point? <laughs> did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, you did. So you're, you're on this journey, you're on this quest and you get, you already knew of Krishna consciousness because, you know, it was around in the city. The Cro-Mags had been dabbling with it and there's some other antidotes had a little bit of a dabble with it cause in there, for right? Alarm. Yeah, cause for alarm. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, word, the word on the street was Krishna something. Uh-huh. Whether, it was, whether Krishna was a bona fide thing or was just like these, I mean, if you think about, you know, uh, Cro-Mags, cause for alarm, antidote. These guys were all like street, street punk bands, you know, mm-hmm. hardcore punk bands, metal bands. It's sort of like, I love them for music, but do I respect them as my spiritual authorities? Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I give them all credit because they're the ones that like sort of like introduced me. Mm-hmm. And it, to this day, I'm always grateful to all those guys. Um, but but the they, maybe time, weren't, they maybe weren't walking the walk of the of this well, truthfully, path. I wasn't I wasn't best friends with any of them so I yeah. didn't really know I didn't really know but to me I had this idea of a saintly person and I have I had this idea I wasn't looking towards the hardcore scene to me the hardcore scene was a way to express my emotions mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I wasn't looking to the hardcore scene anything more for me to express my emotions so I had this idea in my mind of saintliness of otherworldliness of spiritual being of mystic mysticism metaphysical reality that's sort of like where my head was going from the time i was 18 or 19 and um so i will give that i give them total credit for like introducing me to all that stuff at the same time i was still like shut down and to me it seemed weird 
And um, I think it still seems a lot of weird, although we are much more open-minded now. Um, and it's uh, even bhakti or anything from the East was very, very peculiar and avant-garde in the early 80s. But now it's like everyone has a friend, perhaps, named Krishna, who goes to university with them. And, you know, you know Indians, we have, there's so many... Indians in in America right now and air travel is popular and Indian food is popular and to see people in saris and it's popular yoga. And, and yoga has taken over yeah. and, and vegetarianism Kirtan, music yeah. scene is huge you know vegan and vegetarianism is in the conversation now mm-hmm. in 1982 it was not in the conversation yoga there was no yoga schools in New York except like four and they were all run from lineages of swamis you know it was all very you know, you could use the word religious or it had an Indian spiritual teaching background, you know. So, yeah, it was a little peculiar. And um, but so Krishna sort of was sort of in the scene. So I had some idea of it. But I thought, well, these guys can't know that much about it. It must be from another source. Um, and and so I just continued on my journey. And I knew I, I knew uh, then I worked. I got a good job working at a vegetarian restaurant and a lot of Krishna guys work there um all right hey everyone we're uh, hey there he is joined i sent a a link to jordan cooper and uh, jump in here so in in the bhagavad gita uh, chapter 7 verse 16 there's a verse where krishna is describing the four types of people that approach him right my one of my teachers tukaram das who's one of your dear, dear friends has explained this as these are the type of people who approach Krishna. Sure. The distressed. Yeah, that was me. The desire of wealth, the inquisitive, and he who's searching for knowledge of the absolute. So you were distressed. You were in this feeling of you're down, you're the path that you're on. It's cool, but you, you need something higher, right? So you were distressed enough to find or Krishna found you and started taking you on this journey and it led you to India. It led you to finding a guru. It led you on this whole spiritual quest. And then by 89, you are a full-blown Hare Krishna devotee. <laughs> a card-carrying Hare Krishna devotee. Living in the ashram, live, or you know, being yeah. a monk. At Gita Nagari, right? Which is a farm and Pennsylvania yes. or so many, so many different places. That was one of the places for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, um, before that though, is that's jumping ahead because before that I wrote perfection and desire. What I did was I came back from India and India is t- a tough place, especially in the eighties before there was like, this is like before satellite TV, before cell phones, before internet, before like air conditioning, before India was like a tough place. Um, you basically tough. just disappeared. You left New York and and they're like, okay, we'll raise in India now. And there's no way to get a hold of you. No way of knowing where you are. Where I went, there was one phone in the entire village. You had to get it. And it didn't always work. And the mail stunk. One time I saw a bag of mail. I was writing postcards to my mother. I saw a bag of mail that was floating down the river. (laughs) (laughs) that was like the system back then yeah Uh, i think they've changed a little bit not that much perhaps especially in the villages 
But anyway, um, so what happened, I was, I was really confused about what I wanted to do when I got back. To, am, I, am I meant to be a monk? Should I not be a monk? So I visited my mom who was living alone at that time. And my father had just passed away not that long ago. And um, she had this room in the attic. And I, I literally locked myself in that room for all day long. I'd come down to eat and tell my mom I'm writing a record. And this is going to be my explanation to the hardcore scene why I'm leaving. Your letter of intent. My let, yeah, yeah, my resignation, my <laughs> resignation. And um, I only came down for one hour a day. Jordan, you know why? I'm listening. <laughs> you know, I thought you knew. No, oh, wait, to watch it's a particular show? To watch Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that makes sense now. That's why the sample of the Star sample Trek at the is beginning, on the album. Captain, we got to do something. I just like the idea of the whole <laughs> metaphysical and UFO thing. That we got to um, watch Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend. So I'd come down and watch Star Trek on a little, you know, those old-fashioned TVs. You could barely get a channel, no good cable. So anyway, um, I just wrote it all day long, and. This, this is going to be the hokiest thing I say on the entire show. I knew in a, a great formula of how to write Youth of Today songs, and I felt like I could pull off the vocals. You know, I knew that formula pretty well. I'm not the best at it, but I knew it pretty well. I was inspired by bands like uh, Crucifix, The Abused, Urban Waste, Minor Threat, SSD Control, but I had a formula, and I could sit and write those songs, boom, 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 boom. And I wrote most of the songs in Youth of Today using a simple formula. But, you know, it's the simple formula, the execution, the recording that makes something, you know, your heart, you know, all, the, all that combined, a missing X factor, all that combined to make, I think, a great record. I love those records. I think they're great records. But for me, they were a piece of cake to write. Shelter was a whole different beast. Shelter was such a different beast that I, I can honestly say... I didn't write any of those songs because there was no formula. I didn't go off of anything. If you want to know the God honest truth, I loved hardcore more than anybody. Like I was an avid, avid record collecting collector. Jordan might even give me, see, I won't say it, but Jordan might even give me the thumbs up if he thinks I'm the one that popularized record collecting. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, that's, that that would be a big statement, but in, in our world, <laughs> you're huge. Obviously, your your presence in everybody's life is huge, and and that that extended to record collecting and and your taste. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back and say I did it. I did it. <laughs> Me and Parvin on the. You know why? Here's why, Jordan. Because we came back from California on that Youth of Today tour, and I mean everybody was into record collecting. All the unique nerdy record collectors, like our friend Mike Chushan, he's the one that got me into it. Like, oh, you can collect these. Oh, this is a, this is a thing. And then we met Tim Yohannan, and he collected records. But like, the youth of today was barely around then. And the next wave of kids, there was no like record collecting. So that got me. So I didn't really know anybody in New York City that collected records except a, a couple of people. So it was almost like the gold rush before, and you were the first guy there. And so me and Par- Purcell, Parmananda, we literally walked around picking ripe fruits from every record store all over 
all over New York City, like found everything and picked the whole city clean. And there was so much stuff. But the thing is, most people just don't know what to look for. At this point, I was trained in California by friends who were record collectors. And then when we started, then we started uh, putting up want lists. And that was a thing. Do you remember, Jordan, some records used to put, we want a want list. If you have this, we want it. And, and, and then people say, I'll, I'll give you that for 10 bucks. And it had a value. It's almost like you're trading currencies. Yeah, and, and plus then, you knew a lot of the older guys who didn't care so much about the records that were getting, you know, they were getting into different stuff. And, and so, like, I remember you went to Jack Rabbit's house and a few other people's houses, and they, they were Jack having to stuff for the antidote test pressing. Jack Rabbit goes, you want this? I don't even want it. It was the antidote test pressing. But wow. he gave me a yeah, Jack Rabbit had Jack Rabbit had, like, one of the biggest record collections ever. And he was completely cool, was like not attached to it, where I was like a greedy psycho record collector. He still and has so, a huge collection. He has now he has a lot. I went to his place once with a friend and he still has like so much stuff that's wild. He's, he was a great guy. He was always very kind to me and open to me. Um, but anyway, um, so anyway, this is a tangent anyway. But then when we started Revelation, because Jordan's here. We made things exclusively in colored wax so we could trade. Why? Because we're basically printing our own currency now. now. Everybody wants what we're printing and we can make them as rare or as valuable as we want. And it was just to enhance our sick record collecting. <laughs> and I habit. wasn't a record collector, so I, I wasn't even in on this diabolical plan. I just, I just remember you <laughs> wanted to get toys. Um, well, there was, I also, see, I just collected shelter that the, who wrote the record? If you didn't write it, did the 76 guys write it? Did I'm Tom? about to tell you. I'm about to tell you. Nice. Uh, um, a big reveal. I'm about to tell you and you're not going to believe it. Krishna wrote the record. I mean, I, on paper, I wrote all the songs. Krishna wrote the record. There's no, I can't take any credit for it. I had no idea. Matter of fact, so the, the guys in the band were called 76% Uncertain, except for Tom Capone, who we know now from Bold. He was in, um, who was also coming to the temple with me at that time, um, or before, previous, a year before. And so, because um, he dabbled into Christian. He seems like a searcher, right? Yeah, he was a searcher. He probably still is. He was always a nice guy. So anyway, um, I stayed up there all day and I wrote all the songs. And then the day before, uh, then the, 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 the last two days, the last day, who was it? It was just me and Todd. Now, Todd was a good friend of mine from 76% Uncertain. And these guys just volunteered. I said, I'm writing a solo record. Do you guys want to play on it? And the, so Todd came the next day and just like firmed out all the songs with me and firmed out where leads could go. And then the next day, the whole band came. And that was it. We never practiced again. Wow. So it was two days, one with Todd and one with me, uh, one with the whole band. The next day, we went to the Anthrax, the club, and Steve Cudd, a friend of ours who, who's no longer alive, sadly, um, he brought in a portable eight track. Was it Jeff? Jeff Cudd, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it says Jeff think, Roberts. Is that the same? Jeff person? Roberts. That's Jeff Roberts. Roberts. We called him okay. Jeff Cudd. Because that was his nickname for some reason, um, but anyway, he had this portable. Wasn't the Connecticut Underground Dispatch? That's yeah. He was a fanzine. He did, I think. You know, he was a really nice guy, and he wanted to record it. So we, so when we say it was recorded live, that means 
it was just done. The music was played live, and then I sang my vocals over the music on a second track, and then a backup vocals on a third track. We might have done some other things, like you could hear Todd played cowbells. Not cowbells. Uh, bells. Play, play bells. bells. Yeah. Like, like they were like on a, like that would go on a horse's neck. He shook them during death and dying. Your only thing that sobers me up. Yeah. We tried to make the, the, the record as avant-garde as possible. And, you know, back then, there was no like, there was no like orange nine millimeter or quicksand. It was like, or maybe there was a quicksand. I'm not sure. Maybe not then. But it was sort of like this, we're not, we're, I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't want to, I, I think I got off the topic. By the time I was like into break down the walls, all my hardcore dreams were already fulfilled. I'm already in a band. I'm touring around America. You know, and I mean, I've done everything I've wanted to do with hardcore. What's next for me? To, I, I mean, I actually love the band I'm in. You know what I mean? So truthfully, I didn't even listen to that much music after Youth of Today. You know, I listened to the Uniform Choice. They were sort of like our brothers in one sense, like the same, our peers. But even those bands like Gorilla Biscuits, Side by Side, all those bands that we signed, it's like they sort of came later. My, my head wasn't into hardcore at that time, believe it or not, even though that's like the prime revelation stuff. And no one wants to hear that Raghunath, Ray Capo was not into that hardcore. It was just like I, I was already going through that and I, I started to get it real diverse. And so I had no influence to even build off when I wrote those songs. Um, so uh, in the name of comfort, society well, based on body. You weren't listening to really. You weren't really listening to listening to new music or experimental music. You were. You only listened to hardcore, and then, so you were kind of like on your own when you wrote the Shelter album. I totally. I had no musical influence to listen to. So that was going to be my I, question. Listening like, to it yesterday, and and it's like <laughs> it sounds a little bit like '76 at some parts. Where, it, where I was just wondering how that record got written musically because it doesn't sound like, you know, it doesn't really sound like hardcore and, and there's, there's some sort of jammy parts that, that sound like maybe the 76 guys wrote them. Like what? I I don't remember specifically, but we, you know, maybe at the, yeah, I can't remember which song. I I will give them a lot of credit. You know, when you get the drums in there and the bass in there, those guys are very, you know, talented musicians. So putting their stamp on okay. it, probably in that, in that song where it's like, um, in the name of comfort, there's kind of that, that like, uh, slow down part where, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like right before it picks up, it's like kind of the intro part where it's like a little bit slower and driving. It's just like, yeah. Like one, like palm muted note. Yeah. In the name, in the name, in the name. The one where I go, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I all love, I can say, all I can say, is I wrote all the songs and they made it I'm sound good. I'm not going to take anything away from you. I'm just wondering. It, it's okay. Like, I, the, 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 the weird breakdown is almost wrote, like they embellished it and made it sound great. They did their own thing that I couldn't have done. But that part actually sounds a little bit like Broadway or something. That could be. I love. <laughs> I love Tom Capone's like metal leads. Yeah, like I couldn't direct that. That's Tom Capone. Yeah. And then you got these then you got these really weird ones by Todd, which, you know, I can't direct that. He's Todd and he's just like a master. And then, you know, Bill did some cool stuff in, in the name of comfort and also for, you know, the society based on bodies, because T- Bill was awesome. And and so, you know, it's like I'm dealing with these guys who are like phenomenal musicians and 
I'm just like sitting back doing my thing. I'm not a phenomenal musician. And I'll even take this to this next point where even records that were more polished than this record. I mean, that record, if you talk about no preparation, no recording budget, nothing. No preparation. We're not working. I, I, once, I was once hanging out with the guys from Saves the Day before they recorded their record. And they said, hey, you know, Ray, I want you to hear our, uh, our record. I've been working on some, what, what do they call it? Pre, pre-production pre, demos. Pre-production, pre-production stuff. Yeah. They played me something that was so good. I was like, oh, my God, this is not your record? Oh, no, this is just some demos we made. I was thinking, you can make demos this good? It sounds like a good record. <laughs> like in my, I, with Shelter, I never knew what I was getting until I walked out of the studio. I never knew what I was getting. I didn't, like, Here We Go was one of our biggest songs. I never knew it was going to be a good song. I wrote that song a day before I walked in the studio. And even when I walked in the studio, I didn't know it was going to be any good. Civilized Man, which I love that song. I didn't know that song was going to be any good whatsoever. It didn't take until, that's why I honestly say Chris never wrote that record. He made that record sound good. This record, completely written by Krishna. I couldn't have done this. I don't have the talent. Guys like that, guys like the guys from Saves the Day, and think, these guys are real musicians. They, really, they hear harmonies, they hear vocals. Someone like Walter, these guys are real musicians. They can write music, so they can sing over the music. I can't do that. Right. I have some gut feeling, some inspiration. I can write a riff. I can go to a guitar player and say, play this. You know, that's what I do. That's how I write. You have onomatopoeia. <laughs> Whereas like some people can be like, oh, th- this is in the key of, of A and uh, right. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Real musicians do stuff like that. And what's to speak of, I wrote Break Down the Walls on a piano. Like, do, 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 Serious. You're kidding. That's awesome. I remember it perfectly. I remember that most of the today's songs, I remember where I was when I wrote them. Wow. It was my mom's piano in her house. Ian Mackay wrote Straight Edge on the piano. Yeah. So there there's you all go. those bad there religion uh, synthesizer demos where it's like just drums and synthesizer and vocals. It's weird. Yeah. But yeah, Don't whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get those ideas out. Don't get me wrong. I can't play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> I just like played one notes. Because like sound-wise, Shelter to me always seemed like the next logical step in the same way that like embrace was the next step from minor threat. Like it was mm-hmm. taking, you know, what you learned from the previous project and, you know, pushing boundaries. Like I always heard more of a DC influence in those first few shelter records to me, to me at least like more of a discord. Um, shelter to me never had any rhyme or reason or sound. You know, and which always made it more difficult to write records. It was always tricky. Yeah, every record sounds different. I was just going to say, different. That's no record every sounds record like On every record, every song sounds different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, we didn't you know. If you can't roll ska, with that. Could be industrial, yeah. could yeah, be pop be, punk, could be yeah, like. It, I mean, look at that first record. It's got like an industrial song on the first album. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call it. I don't know Proto-industrial, yeah. We'll get to that. So when you were doing this, how did you choose uh, to have, you know, these four guys play with you? Was it ever entertained, like, to have Porcel, like, hey, can you – or did you want to try and make it not seem like it was Truthfully, just – Usually, I think I wanted to step away, not with any bad intention, but I wanted to step away from all that I knew. Now, I knew these guys very well because when I was 16, 
when we were juniors, right? When did 70, when was I in reflex from pain? 16? I think you were seven, yeah, 16, junior. 16, I would drive every, you know, three days a week to Stratford, Connecticut from Danbury, Connecticut. And um, we'd go into Bill's basement and I'd drive with Todd and I was the new singer of Reflex from Pain. And these guys were like cultured musicians. They were 10 years older than me. They were 26 year old. They knew everybody in the scene. They knew Ian McKay. They knew Barry from the Necros. They knew the guy from Negative Approach. They knew Tesco V. They knew, you know, the guys from Bad Religion. They knew the guys from the Big Boys. I was like, these guys know everyone. These are the cool guys from Connecticut and they want me to sing for them. I was like honored because I, you know, and they've already played big shows. So we started playing some shows. We played with the Circle Jerks in Philadelphia, sold out, you know, thousands of people. I'm just like 16 years old. I couldn't believe it. And that was, it was Reflex from Pain? That was Reflex from Pain. Wow. I know. It was unbelievable. We played with like Why Die. Um, so and that's where you played A7 the first time? We played with A7. We, we played A7. That's where I met Harley because Harley came to a Reflex from Pain show. And he Who loved us. Who did we play with at A7? Yeah, what was the, what, what was the bill? MOI, which was Harley. Harley and Friends. Um, um, Shock, which was a weird, obscure New York hardcore band. Man, who was on that show? I can't remember. But it was packed, except when we played. Everybody left except Harley. Harley was <laughs> the only one watching us. And... He loved us. And we played a Motorhead song, and no one was into Motorhead back then, but Harley was. And he was like, that was awesome. I want you guys to open for my new band next week at CBGB's. I got this band called the Cro-Mags. And that was right at a time where they kicked me out of the band. That was our last show in A7. And um, I was like, well, I'd like to, but I'm getting kicked out. They're kicking me out. Oh, I was going to say, there is a recording, though, right, where you're singing on the Flexi? Yeah, you should put that out, Jordan. Dude, Jordan, you should put that out. Yeah. Um, but what about uh, – so, so what happened to Reflex after you left? And got, is that what turned into 76? Or did well, what they- happened was they, I think they felt I was a little immature, which is reasonable. I was 16 years old. <laughs> I wrote dumb lyrics and stuff like that, so I get it. I think they felt – and also CIA had broken up, I think. And um, they wanted the singer of CIA. Now, CIA was – they were set to be the next national band out of Connecticut or the national band out of Connecticut. Was, they were so good. Everybody loved them. And then they just broke up and fell apart. It broke everybody's heart right before their album came out. And so um, Bones, the singer, joined Reflection Pain. I mean, that's what basically happened. I think they tried okay. to make it. They tried to make it sound like hey, we're breaking up and restarting without you, which is basically the same thing. <laughs> And so they started that band and Bones sang instead of me. Um, and that was so called, I knew those guys and I was good friends with those Reflex guys. Pain? What's that? Was it still called Reflex or did they change the name? No, they, they changed the name. They changed the name. But it, All right. Yeah. Cool. But I think, I think it might be some of the same songs. I'm not positive. But anyway, you knew, the, you, know, you knew those guys from way back when you first started going to shows. And I really just wanted people that I liked and can trust and could jam with that I felt were competent. That okay, I'm here. Some songs. I don't want to go through a whole dramatic practice sessions. I want you to learn the songs and record them, and that's what it was. And was sort and of like where did guy. where did Tom come in to play? Were well, I just, just asked Tom to be on the. I asked Tom too because we he was still in my circle of friends. So were these guys like you know 
did they, were they so you said tom was going to the temple a little yeah bit. these guys weren't spiritual guys but they were just buddies willing and willing to help out and play you know willing to help out and play for my record yeah play some music and you guys never played a show with this lineup correct never a live show i don't think we did did we jordan i don't think so it might have been one i don't remember it might have been a live video from the anthrax what's that i said i saw a live video from the from the anthrax from 1990 so So that would have been on there but that would have been the quicksand uh yeah that might have been sammy and Purcell and yeah, because Sammy and Purcell played on the first on the No Compromise yeah. seven inch, which was also in nineteen ninety, which also was included yeah. on happened? the Perfection uh, Desire Revelations CD. Production. Revelations production team was slow then, and <laughs> took a long time for recording to uh, having that record come out. So there it was is, a lot of. I, I feel like that was that was a pretty quick one, but I, I don't remember uh, that. that was, that matter of fact, it went so long that we recorded another record and put that out, and they both came out at the same time ish. That's what oh, I was thinking. okay. The no compromise, uh, seven inch, right? The yeah, and when that will, came out, then Jordan was like, Well, let's just add this single to the record to the CD and give it as bonus tracks. And I was like, All right, but it wasn't a great idea, I don't think, but that's what we did. Um, and so that single was with our first lineup. So basically, I was overdoing music and I stopped doing music and then the more I started reading the Gita um, I w- it, the Gita is not about like abandoning the world the Gita is about doing what you do and doing it for a spiritual reason and, and instead of material reason and those same thing that you do that will, was making you miserable will, will make you happy and it gives you sort of tools how to deal with that energy of fame or that energy of wealth or that energy of um, competition or envy, etc. And so I felt like I was, after a while of being a monk, I felt like, you know, I could do this. I just got to find some monks. <laughs> so so I, I was living in Washington, D.C. And there's, I met this guy coming to the temple called Graham, Graham Land, who played in Shelter on and off for years. He was in that band Baby Gopal. He was in Worlds Collide. He played with um, uh, polystyrene from the x-ray specs for a while. Nice. And Gayatri uh, was his initial name. His initial name was Gayatri, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was he was coming around, and he was he must have been sixteen then too. At that time, I must have been twenty three or twenty four. Um, and then there was this old. I was going to say an older devotee guy, but older probably was he was probably thirty six. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was tall. He was a taller, older guy named Yasso. And um, he was living in the temple. He goes, hey, I play bass. I'll play bass for you. I was like, all right, let's do this. And then we were on it to record a record. So Graham wrote Free Will and I wrote Sharanagati. And we went to Don Fury's, but we still needed a drummer and a guitar player. So I just called up Sammy and Purcell, who were not into Krishna at all. But as friends, I was like, yeah, we'll record it. Yeah, let's go to Don Fury's and record it. So we all met up there and recorded there. And that was a fun single to record. And the way we put the, you know, there's a famous, if you're into Bhakti, you know, or Krishna, you know that there's a famous cassette, or back then that was a cassette, Prabhupada, the Swami, chanting on beads, the Hare Krishna mm-hmm. mantra. So it's just sort of like mumbling, Hare Krishna, 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 Ram, 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 Hare Krishna. And it's just an hour of that. The, the whole thing is nothing but that, except at one point he stops, and he must have seen some slouchy disciple sitting there he stops and goes sit properly 
and yes. then he's scanning. <laughs> and so I l- always loved that part. And I, I, I took a snippet from that and we ran it during Sharanagati. Um, and at the end of the thing, dun, 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 sit properly. And that's how that happened. Um, you know, what's interesting is the first time I played that song for my good wife, she thought that he said this property because this property. You know, and so we were looking for a new house out in Joshua tree recently. And she goes, ah, oh, this property. And I was like, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you recorded the songs at the anthrax live, but then you recorded shelter with Don Fury. We recorded the, the uh, recorded the song shelter. Perfection of the design. song shelter. Yes. Well, wait a second. Okay. Oh, you know why? You know, yeah, we recorded that with Don Fury. Um, why did we do that with Don Fury? I he guess probably just did. had access. He, you guys have uh, talked about the famous rack um, effects that he had, and maybe uh, I can't uh, remember, but I do remember this. Oh no, that was the Ray and Purcell single. Yeah, Ray which, Purcell which single. featured the same drummer. As the Ray Purcell singer, right. the, drum the drummer Dylan, so to get Dylan Trifles. Yeah, I love that single. I can't Did remember. Do the drums on uh, the song Shelter, the the drum machine on the song Shelter. Do Is you know it Dylan? That? Yeah. In the in the layout, it says that uh, Dylan and Purcell help because we want him part of our family. Because <laughs> okay. we love him. We're trying to work Dylan into the show somehow. I don't think he did the drums. Okay. But what, yeah, um, so did that song get written later, or did, did it get recorded? No, I, no, that song was written. I think we did it in that same session, truthfully, and maybe Don Fury just remixed it. Mm. Okay. Um, and Jason, you had a question about that song too, right? About the uh, lyrical content a little bit of Shelter. That's right. In the so in the middle, and this is probably something that um, someone that is more familiar with Krishna consciousness knows, but. Um, what does the what does it mean in the in the middle the uh the, the sanskrit prayers or the thank you yeah just for people listening like we said people uh, listening that. the idea is that um the material world is a confusing place to figure out on your own you've got to find somebody who's sort of figured it out anybody who's done a 12 step program understands this theory right so that they work with a sponsor so in the traditions of the East, and not only the East, but even in a lot of Christian traditions, especially the Eastern Orthodox, there's this idea of mentors, gurus, teachers who assist you on your path. And so that, that was a song of, I'm sick of trying to figure out all this stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting it in your hands. And the, so those were prayers to the teacher uh, who, who brought the Krishna teachings to the West. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prastaya Bhutale. And um, they're, they're the traditional mantras that you say to this particular teacher. Um, that's what they mean. Basically, prayers of appreciation. And what okay. made you choose to put that particular pranam mantra in that song? I, I mean, I know that you, you just well, said that Krishna was like reaching that. out to you or Krishna was helping well, you write yeah. this stuff. Because I felt like um, that whole song, Shelter, mm-hmm. means I'm taking shelter of our, teacher, of, of our gurus, of our teachers. Um, I ne- I'll, ne- I'll never fulfill this desire. I need something higher. Please extend your hand and save me from this fire. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, so you, it's, it's a prayer to the teacher to assist you. 
And so another another question, uh, um, just for people, like I said, listening that may not know, when we talk about teachers and gurus, if you could high level maybe explain too, like you know, you go by, you know, people knew you as Ray Capo, and then after this record, um, <laughs> when you you took initiation, now you're known as you know also as Ruganoff. If you could maybe explain to people so they can you know understand. Sure, a, a lot of spiritual traditions from the East, um, which I guess is similar in a Jewish tradition during a bar mitzvah or um, maybe penance or confirmation. There's an idea of growing into manhood or a second birth, and so initiation in these Eastern traditions is you have a new. It's a new you. You have the old you that birthed your body. Your second birth is the birth that's birthing your real identity, your spiritual identity. And so with that sometimes comes a name. And the name is, it's generally a servant of God, like the famous Kirtan singer, Krishna Das, means the servant of Krishna. Raghunath Das means the servant of Ram. Ram is the name of Raghunath. Um, And so the names have something to do with, I'm a servant of God. In this world, I've served so many people. I've served uh, wife, children, parents, professors, kids. I've served everybody, but we forget to serve God. So the idea is that we have a real debt to God, and we try to live our life in service. Now, another thing is we see God in every being as well, too. We want to you know, treat every living being with dignity, and that extends outside the human species towards animals, trees, the earth itself. So, you know, on this, we try to see our life not in, in, in terms of, you know, what can I get, but what can I give? And once you get to that realization, it destroyed my whole thing on record collecting, which was like, this is, look at, I'm trying to find some self-worth from collecting stuff. This is ridiculous. And I got on stage at one show and just started throwing my records off the stage. And um, maybe it was a little myopic and I could have like held on to them and sold them and used them for something good or, or but you know, for me, it was, it was actually... You know, some people just have to sever things in their life. I was just going to say, sometimes you, some people have to dive in. Sometimes people, sometimes there is not a gradual path. They'll dip their toe in that, in the pool. And, oh, it's a little too cold. It's a little too cold. And they'll spend hours there in indecision. And so for me, I think it was healthy for me. I, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. But I just, at that time, I just cut myself from even all my good friends. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it in a bad way. But like... To me, they were not helping me to go where I needed to go. And we had hundreds of friends. It wasn't just like 10 friends. We had like gangs of friends. I say gang in a very positive way, but, you know. All over the country, all over the world. All over the country, yeah. And I, I needed to sever myself in the same way an alcoholic needed to sever themselves from alcohol. Just say, no, I don't go to bars anymore. Oh, come on, just come to the bar. You don't have to drink. Nope, I don't go to bars. And that's sort of how I put Now, I don't think you have to be that, but that's what I guess I, I think I needed at the time. But – that it leads me to my next thing is that even before the perfection of desire came out, there was backlash about everything. And I have, I'm sure you've seen and read this many times. I have, I've got a great story for you. my (laughs) friend. Well, I wanted to talk about how, just to give people an idea of how different things were in 1989 to now there's a, so I'm holding up for people that can't see here. Obviously the maximum rock and roll has uh Raghunath on the cover. It says inside Ray Capo and the Krishnas. And it has an interview with Raghunath and um, Tim Tim Yohannan. 
uh, who did Hannon has been our good friend for many years. Right. Today has always stayed at his house. You know, there's he was, also a piece in here called The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But the Truth, So Help Me Krishna. And it's by this woman who's writing about her husband. Um, who's been who's gotten to programmed. And, and, and she, she and her family had paid to get this guy deprogrammed. Can you explain deprogramming for people that may not yeah, know? Yeah, it's you? like, okay, my best friend or my teenage son has gotten into this religion and they're teaching him all these things, these mystical things. They've given him a new name. He wears robes around. He's in an airport distributing books to people or something like that. This is horrible. He's basically been – his mind has been altered. And we got to get him out of there. And um, they pay people to – I don't even know if you could do this anymore. There's so much liability. I haven't heard of it. I think there was a lot – actually an FBI – uh, case against it and people lost and it was kidnapping and all you know there's yeah. a great total aside but there's an incredible video on youtube of um one of the i guess famous deprogrammers ted patrick yeah. and he's having a debate with um someone in our lineage uh and it's like you know it's just hilarious to watch because even the comments from people who aren't into Bhakti are like, oh, this dude's nuts. Like this, this, uh, you know, they were calling him a, sw- they're like this uh, Swami uh, like leveled this guy just with like intellect and like real answers. But Google Ted Patrick on, on a, or look it up on YouTube. It's a neat debate. Ted but, Patrick, Harry Krishna, it'll come up. Yeah. But yeah, this, I, we're yeah. running out of time. And I really want to tell this story about this yeah. article because um, I have two interesting points about this. Um, one is I was really brokenhearted that Tim wrote this article about me because I didn't think it was fair because he did he threw in a lot of comments after the fact of the interview. Like he put in his mm. own, he put in his own, it was like, I felt it was like a real betrayal of trust and friendship because he put in his own comments after the fact and didn't let me proofread it. He it just wanted to be a smear. He was an anti-God guy. You know, he was a strong leftist Marxist. So they, you know, they, he was not interested at all in anything religious or spiritual. Anything, he, you know, they that was I mean, that that was the uh, extreme left back then was these far right or far left anarchists, and so anything spiritual in the in the punk scene is like forget it. That's why we got into punk. We hate it. we hate God. We hate religion. We hate institution, organized thought, etc. So anyway, I was a little hurt that he wrote that because he wrote a lot of things in. So then he invited this other lady who her husband got into Krishna, also around the same time I did, maybe a little bit before. He got deprogrammed. Her his parents hired these guys. They sort of like, I don't know if they fully kidnapped him, but they brought him to their house and they just drilled him for like six days. Um, I don't know the explicit amount, but again and again and again. And they find details and they hold you to details and crack your faith. And if you don't have enough information, and back then nobody had that much information on bhakti, on spiritual life in India. There was not that many books written back then. And again, yoga was a weird, a very weird thing in New York, even in New York City. So, um, um, so anyway, this guy got out of it. Now, interestingly enough, at the first shelter show at the Anthrax, when Graham and Yasso played and Sam and Purcell played, it was a tour actually, did a whole tour with Inside Out and Quicksand. 
it was up in arms and everybody was handing out anti-shelter, anti-God, anti-spirituality, anti-Krishna flyers. And I was just debating with people all night and kids were just listening on the sidelines. And then- That was an intense show. That was an intense show. That was intense. Yeah, people were screaming at us on the stage. And then a bunch of people loved us. It was like, it was just confusing and fun and exciting and dangerous. And you know, what happened to Ray Kappa or where, is it good? Is it a bad thing? People didn't know. And so afterwards, uh, with all these punk kids um, coming, coming up to me, later a, well, a well-dressed guy came up to me, but he was probably my age. And he had a long sleeve shirt on, a collared shirt, and he had very normal looking hair. He didn't look punk at all. And then he goes, he pulled me aside and asked me a very obscure question, which was, I'm, I'm just gonna paraphrase this, but it, it was something to like this. He said, hey, did you know that the great uh, Krishna saint, you know, Rupa Goswami ate meat? And I said, um, who told you that? He says, it's recorded in some book. I go, I can find a book that tells you he doesn't eat meat. Whose book are you going to believe? Is it just you? You just follow? Why do you believe that book and not my book? And he goes, and then he switched the topic and he said, um, do you know that a lot of Prabhupada, your guru's god brothers, a god brother is one who were initiated by the same guru. Like if Jordan initiated all of us, all of us would be god brothers. Okay? So he said a lot of Prabhupada's god brothers said that he wasn't even a pure devotee. You know that? They don't even think he was a, like, he wasn't like a serious devotee. I was like, well, maybe he wasn't, but he did spread spiritual life all over the world. So you got to give him some credit for that. Maybe he wasn't the most learned. Maybe he wasn't the most, didn't live in the, he barely lived in a temple his whole life. He was married. But to say he wasn't a pure devotee, I, I don't know if he was a pure devotee. All I can say was he was empowered to spread things all over the world because of it. I'm, we're even talking about it in a parking lot in Norwalk, Connecticut. And then he switched the topic again and he goes, you know, there's so much corruption in Hare Krishna movement. He goes, do you know about this Swami? He did this. Herbert, this Swami, he did this. You know about this Swami, he did that. I said, you know what? Humans are corrupt. You're going to take down an entire philosophy because some 28-year-old men trying to be celibates are screwing things up? Why does that take down the philosophy? You can also find a long list of people who haven't compromised their principles. Why don't we talk about them? And as he was talking, his sleeve rolled up. Like, you know, he was just moving his arm and his sleeve rolled up. And I started to notice a sleeve of tattoos. Now, back then, you got to understand, not that many people had tattoos. What to speak of full sleeves of tattoos. And at that moment, I realized this guy knows too much about weird details. And it's this type of weird details that the programmers would use to crack somebody. And so at that point, I just, I stopped and I looked at him. I said, listen, are you telling me, like you've, you've read the, I said, have you ever read the Srimad Bhagavatam? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, that book is a book of wisdom. Are you telling me that Prabhupada should have never came West, should have never translated that book 
And we'd be much better off if that book never came to uh, the shores of New York City. Is that what you're telling me? That that book should have never existed? We sh- he should have let that go into antiquity and let it die and be covered with dust? Is that what you actually think is right? And the guy had a complete paradigm shift. And he looked at me and said, no, I love the Srimad Bhagavatam. I just don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> and then <laughs> it, was such a weird, it, it was just that I, I embraced the guy. I embraced him. And you want to hear something even crazier? And maybe you guys might even know the story. But 30 years later, I get a phone call from this guy. It happened at the beginning of this year. And he said, uh, you know, Raghunath, I want you to know I was that guy you met in the parking lot. He said, after that deprogramming, I went to, I think, divinity school, Harvard Divinity School, or some type of, like, I studied spirituality. I got into Christianity. The more I studied spirituality, the more I would be like, oh, my God, Prabhupada said that. Oh, my God, that's exactly what Prabhupada said. Oh, my God, I'm studying all this stuff. This is exactly what Prabhupada said. He said, it took me 30 years to realize that all that I, all that I paid for and to get my you know, master's in and stuff like that, this is everything Prabhupada always told me from the first day. I, and so what I did was, 30 years later, oh, yeah, and he said, listen, Raghunath, or my name, my name was Ray back then. He said, listen, Ray, I didn't write that article. My wife wrote that article in, 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 a, in a, oh, so that was art. a, from a that was his wife that wrote that article. Ed, wow. right? That was Ed. And, and, and so that was Ed that I met in the parking lot. I'm sorry I didn't tie those threads <laughs> together. So anyway, so Ed called me and he said he called the temple in New York and he called the Bhakti Center. And the people who answered the phone that said, oh, you want to get into Bhakti? Well, we're about to have a pandemic. You should listen to Wisdom of the Sages. Wow. And then he got into our podcast and then he called me up and told me this whole story. Wow. And it was nice. like a, he goes, I feel like I wasted 30 years of my life. I go, you didn't, man. You didn't. What, what is, what, I said, are you still married to that woman? And he goes, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> What's Wisdom of the Sages? Is that a podcast you're on? That's a podcast that me and my friend Kostuba do. Oh, wow. Kostuba was an old friend of the hardcore, the Cro-Mags and those guys. Now, Raghunath, wow. uh, I've heard... Uh, chatter that perhaps a member of New York hardcore elite sent that deprogrammer to deprogram you. Um, did you ever find out or a member any... of the New York hardcore elite sent, sent someone to deprogram me? Yes. That, that the deprogramming was done by someone who was one of your friends, your friends got together and wanted to deprogram I never got you. deprogrammed. Right. Well, you just said that was you that got it attempted to deprogram. Did he just do that on his own or did someone send him there? I'm sorry. Who? Ed? Yes. No, Ed, Ed was the guy in the maximum rock and roll article. Who's right. wife yeah, wrote about sent, him getting his parents. Was he sent to deprogram you in the parking lot or was he just, no, no, no. He was coming up to debate me. Okay. Oh, I thought you just said to, it. Okay. To try to were, crack me. Okay, so were you ever attempted to be deprogrammed? No, nah, my parents didn't have the money to program me. Oh. You, okay, <laughs> debunked. See, that's something that I've heard is that you were attempted to be deprogrammed. No, by no one ever got me. I had a lot of friends that were. I hope yeah. people don't mind hearing that, this story being shared, but a few, a few of your friends, and you probably have heard this before, a few of your friends, including myself, we went to a class given by uh, the Cult Awareness Network. 
And we were just trying to see what, you know, like, is Ray, does Ray need to be deprogrammed? Is he brainwashed? And um, the guy was, the guy seemed okay. You know, what, he wasn't like a, a psycho, like the deprogrammer you're talking about. I hope it's not the same guy. But what was interesting to me was that Scientologists came and disrupted the meeting. And they really seemed totally crazy. They were like, wow. they were holding up these papers and, and yelling at the guy and saying uh-huh. like, uh, you know, I have an affidavit and stuff like this. And uh, <laughs> they, they basically harassed, harassed the class. And, and the guy just stopped the class and said, all right, everyone, the, these guys, they're, they're not going to admit it, but they're, the, these are Scientologists that were sent here to, to basically harass and interrupt the meeting. And what happened with that guy the awareness network is um, they got sued out of existence by Scientology and then some Scientologist connected um, person or group bought the name cult awareness network. So now that's actually not, you know, that's like somehow it's, it's not what its original purpose was. Well, the whole story with that was your good friend, Madan Mohan, also known as Bakta Mark went there and defeated the guy after the, after the whole lecture he gave. And he okay. defeated him just by saying something. He came out the next way. And Madan, uh, which is his name now, he was an old hardcore guy too from the Cro-Mag scene. And he's just a very, very thoughtful person. And so he raised his hand. He said, I have a question. What am I supposed to do with life? What am I supposed to do? You tell me what to do. Is it to run around and have some fun and uh, is that just the is it is the goal fun? Is it the goal to raise a family? Is it goal to be athletic? Is the goal what's the goal of life? Where do where do I go? Because I want to enjoy life. Why don't you tell me? And it, it was sort of like a weird. The guy had nothing to say. And I remember you calling me up afterwards and saying, "Oh my God, Bakta Mark just dismantled this whole guy's speech with one question." And the guy wouldn't even call on him because Mark came in there in a dodi. Um, but I don't think Mark, Mark's not a guy to be raging or. Um, no, Mark. Mark's kind of an intellectual uh, wrestler, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be a uh, Mark. I couldn't. I couldn't argue with that guy because he's he's just kind of a, a few steps ahead of even like uh, you know the above average person. The guy. The guy's really smart. Um, yeah. If you want to, if you want to meet smart, you should meet. Uh, Gor- Z- Xavier's buddy there, Tukaram. Oh, you met Tukaram, didn't you? <laughs> I've heard you guys talk about it. Anyway, let's get back to a different different song, different scripture. Um, yeah. I hope sure. you guys, do you, does anyone have an important question? I got a question about turning around. The only thing that we really wanted to ask was about why you chose Madhavacharya for the cover art. I just thought it was cool. That's a bad, it is cool. That's a bad a, answer. I just thought it was cool. <laughs> and then... Cool. Uh, Jason, you had a, can ask, and then um, Jason, you had a quick question when we're talking about cover art about the the shelter logo. Yeah, could you just tell us about the origin of the shelter wheel? Uh, the origin of the shelter wheel. It's uh, one of the weapons of Vishnu to destroy the darkness of the world. Um, so Vishnu has you know four arms, and he carries two of them to destroy darkness. One is the club, and one is the wheel of fire. That's the shelter wheel. And the other one is giving benedictions to those who imbibe truth, imbibe connection, imbibe, uh, you know, dharma. And that is the conch shell and the lotus. So I like the wheel. I can't even remember who drew it, truthfully. I was just going to ask who designed, because we know it's who designed that for the particular 
one you know, that people do yes, stuff and then they, they disappear from your life and you don't see them again. I wish I could remember. Somebody drew that for you? They must have been. I, I didn't take it from any Indian art. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not from like from any Bhakti yeah, it's like art. a stylized it's version of the Sudar song. Yeah, someone took an Indian one and made it look mm-hmm. how it does, and it looks great. And then, Jordan, you had a question. All right. Repeating my joke, uh, getting back to a different song, different scripture. So in, in uh, Turn It Around, there's the, the Scotty quote from Star Trek where he says, Captain, we've got to do something. And then there's another quote where there's this kind of like this uh, – you know, spacey sound. Yeah. And then what, what's the other line? Oh yeah. Jordan, did you do the layout for this? Ray, Ray, like most of the stuff, Ray described it to me and then told me what to do. And I mm-hmm. just executed it. Yeah. I've seen all of the, the components of the layout, including a little, the, the Brown that's used for the background on the flip side of that, Jason, like on uh-huh. the inside where all the, yeah, where the photos are, it's just this little scrap of Brown paper, like this big. And it says, blow that up to put all of the layout and stuff on it. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Man, I couldn't hear it. You know what? I can't even make it out anymore. We're going to have to reach out to William Shatner. You know what? Maybe in the old mixes you can hear it better, but you can't even hear it. Uh, we need a remix for this album. We'll get William like... Shatner on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like so last, last, Star Trek. last question then. Raghunath, we'll ask you and then you can go and maybe we'll have another question for uh, Jordan okay. down there. What's your hot track on Perfection of Desire? Oh, what's my favorite track? Yeah. yeah. You know... I actually love that whole record. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I'll, you know, I, I would, in the name of comfort is a cool song. Mm-hmm. And when we shelter plays today, we'll actually cover that song, you know, uh, or we'll play that song rather. Um, I was just going to say, you, you don't need you know, to say it's a cover. You, you do. <laughs> Cause it's such an old song that yeah. covering it, but, but we'll play that song. Um, but truthfully, a song that was very meaningful to me was uh, Death and Dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you'll have to tune into the episode to hear our hot tracks. Because <laughs> we don't want to keep, we don't want to keep, very, very yeah, we don't want to keep you. Although that first version of Shelter. I love so that. I love that track. I love it also. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, thanks Thank so you. much for joining yeah, us. For you'll hear our hot tracks at the end if you listen back. In a way, those Youth of Today, a couple of those Youth of Today songs on that last seven inch were shelter songs too. What's that? Like on the Disengage and all that? Oh, Modern Love Story. Yeah. That was the only one, I think. Disengage. Disengage, I didn't write. And Envy, I didn't write. You didn't write the words to Disengage? I wrote the words, but not the music. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe. In this age, you use the word age. That's that's so Christian. In this age, you're right. That's <laughs> oh, man. So the first Easter <laughs> Today song I ever heard. Where everything's falling apart. We'll have a whole episode about that seven inch. That's right. I All right, wait. you guys. Love you. All right, thanks Thank so you, much, Prabhu. Uh, Jordan, while we still have you here. Yeah, of course. Was it – what did you well, first, think? Do we do hot tracks? Or we'll do that. Yeah, later. we'll do that. But I just – I really want to know what Jordan thought when his dear friend Ray – approached him and was like look i got this new record it's a little bit different we're gonna put it out it's got all this stuff i mean you already said that you were a little bit 
concerned and you guys, you know, you wanted to find out what was maybe what was going on, but were you just like, yeah, were you just like, all right, well, this is the next step in Ray's wild journey. I guess this is the record that we're going to put out. Was there any, at any moment, like a a thought or a hesitation to be like, I I can't do this. This is some, you know, spiritual religious stuff. Ray and I differed on religion from when we first became friends. And we just, I think we just decided not to talk about it mm-hmm. um, or at least not to argue about it. Uh, yeah. And that, That's actually why I, I, I think part of the reason why the label name revelation was not used in the, you know, we went with schism because I didn't want to use revelation because of the religious connotations. Um, but anyway, personally, I don't think I was um, willful enough to, you know, it, the thought probably crossed my mind. Like, should I be putting out a Krishna record? Like that's like Ray said, that's like the most unpunk thing. And, you know, against what at least my concept of hardcore was um, imaginable, but in the same way, that's, that's part of, you know, like it's sort of everything with hardcore is a contradiction. It's like, um, you know, individuality, but then it's got a name and all that stuff. So it's, it's weird, but so yeah, that, that thought crossed my mind, but mainly um, at that point uh, I was, I was just grasping at uh, the, the last remnants of, you know, Ray's uh, Ray leaving hardcore or getting less interested in hardcore was sort of like sh- uh, shaking the foundation of like my reality because mm. I was, you know, I looked up to Ray and he was sort of my, uh, not just my friend, but somebody I like looked to for um, opinions and, you know, music guidance and everything. Um, so when he started getting into Krishna, I, I tried to follow and, uh, you know, I, I tried to get interested in it. I talked to his, you know, his teacher, you know, it wasn't, it, he, had, he had this guy, he wrote a book. Sahir, yeah, yeah. There was Satyaraj and then uh, Donadar Swami, were also known as like, Stephen Rosen, is like his his name that'll be used in books. Satyaraj Das. Mm-hmm. So I talked to him for a, for a long time, and you know, I I, I went on tour with Youth of Today in 1989, and that's when Ray was really getting into it. And I, I went to a few temples and a Buddhist monastery with him, and um, I was sort of just trying to trying to like keep up, but. It wasn't really for me. And um, mainly that whole period was just a, for just a personal adjustment I had to make, sort of having a friend, you know, focusing so intensely on something that I really couldn't be a part of. And, and uh, it was sort of, you know, I didn't really lose a friend, but I, I lost the context of our, our friendship. Well, it was so. like the end of an era. Like, yeah, and exactly. you got to think too, you guys were young, but my take is, is especially back then, you know, I, I, I hate to say last laugh because it's not like that, but it's like, I feel a lot of the detractors of, of Ray of Raghunath, like he's the one that has the last laugh. Cause he's living like a totally, you know, by his own terms, doing his own thing. He's super popular in the yoga scene and he's turning a lot of people into a philosophy that's not really that crazy now. But in 1988, it was unheard of. And 
I think people probably did have a right to be a little scared if their if their entryway was like reading stuff like this Maximum Rock and Roll uh, or you know the book that was out around that time, Monkey on a Stick. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you ever saw. Well, that. that's about a specific thing. I, you know, I mean, people rightly have a lot. I, I'm I'm not a student of religion and and all that stuff, and I I, I think a lot of people have. Uh, good reason to be skeptical of all of it, even without the corruption of, you know, human involvement um, on the, you know, in the material way, just the, the idea itself can be questioned. But in, anyway, uh, people, people were annoyed with Ray from, from very early, before Youth of Today even started, you know, just straight edge was annoying to people. People didn't like, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff Youth of Today did. And then when Ray got into this, it, you know, it's just another thing that he, you know, he, he, he never had a shortage of, of uh, critics. But I agree, his life has, has been a pretty straight trajectory towards, um, you know, doing what he, doing what he felt was right and, and a good way to live. And if nothing else, his carbon foot, footprint, uh, in, in his business is a lot smaller than most people's. He doesn't really make anything. Like we're pressing plastic and chopping down trees to make record covers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's, I always say too, like, you know, I, I've been involved now in Bhakti for a little over five years and I meet so many people that are still into it to this day and they're good people. They're not, they're normal people. They're not like, you know, freaks you know that or whatever anybody makes not to be and almost all of them came to know about it myself included even though it took me years to approach and we'll talk about that later but um you know because of ray because of of that like he turned a lot of people on to you know clean living higher thinking and or even uh, just vegetarianism and if, yeah. and even if you don't care about animals at all it's like you know environmentally it it you know, it helps. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I give those, I give Ray and Purcell uh, a lot of credit for, for doing good. Um, you know, despite all of our flaws, I, I, I really uh, love and respect those guys. Sit properly. Cool. Yeah, that went well. All right. Hey, yo. yo. <clears throat> I never listened to that Fugazi record. And hits. It's my yeah, least favorite one. Listen, and I'm leaving this in. I'm, I made, so End Hits and Red Medicine both have a lot of weird stuff yeah. in them. Yeah. I made a Spotify playlist called uh, Red Hits. That's the best songs from Red Medicine and End Hits, taking all the weird spacey stuff out. And I ordered okay. it in what I thought would be a good album order. And it's like 13 songs or something like that. Yo, it's great because Red Medicine and End Hits have some absolute fucking bangers on both of those records. But, I like the first song. But as a whole, man, there's some just junk filler on there and it's it's hard to sit ah yeah but listen if you cut you don't think so you you can you can sit down and listen 
to red medicine and end hits all the way through. No skippers. I dare you. I dare you. Red medicine, yes. I like where your head's at, Hoff. I haven't done end hits in a while, but I have such a personal connection to Fugazi. First band I ever saw. Top 10 band of all time, any no, genre. I, I, I would put also and put I know them in you, top 10. But you know except what? Except for furniture. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do uh, this week is I will listen to end hits. Let's, uh, hey, let's, the three of us, you listen to the Fugazi discography in chronological order, start to finish. Okay. From the self titled. Yeah. All the way through to the last seven inch. Does instrument even, count or no? That's like oh god, that is um, that's now that the instrument soundtrack is unlistenable. I'll be honest. No way, I, I like it. Nope. I, I don't know if I've played it. Yeah, more you got to put it in there then. Why not? Oh, I like it. And if what you're listening, Wugazi? yo, that Wugazi record slaps. It's, pretty good. it's so yeah. it's so I used to good. listen to it on the track. There's another album in that genre. There's a guy called Wait What, and he did a. Um, a mashup of the XX and Notorious B.I.G. Uh, I've heard that one. Really, I used to be super into mashups, so okay. I know I know a lot about that genre. Oh, yeah. hey, let's do it, Fugazi. The Fugazi, Fugazi challenge. Yo, the Fugazi challenge. The Fugazi challenge. You know well, what? And I welcome anybody listening to take us up on the challenge. If you're a patron, maybe we can talk about it on the uh, on Discord. Discord. On the Discord. Yeah. Listen, I. I almost wanted to, at one point to start a podcast where I, that this is all I do is I just listen to a discography in chronological order. And I have tasked it upon myself to do this. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast. I probably, I'm telling the same war story again, but I did. Have you ever tried to listen to the entire Slayer discography in chronological order? The entire I thing. I have not. That's a challenge. Yo, okay. So listen, I got up to like, God hates us all. Yeah, and That's I will, got some tracks on. It does. It's it great. Does. It does. But this is after like a day or two of only listening all the way from like the beginning. You know, like haunting the chapel, show no mercy, hell awaits. He's like everything. I woke up in the middle of the night because in my head it was just. And I couldn't sleep. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with this. I can't listen to any more. The fucking guitar solos were so wild. And so I had to stop. What do you think you of like the Divine new metal Intervention? <clears throat> yeah, I love Divine Intervention. I love Divine Intervention. Yeah. Um, so I've also done, I did Glassjaw in chronological order. There's not um, as many Glassjaw. No, there's a lot, man. You'd be surprised, including all the demo. There's like three demos. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, all the singles, everything. It was, it was a, a journey. Um, I've, I've done Danzig, which I do not recommend to anyone. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's a journey, too. How'd you survive after? Did you even get to the Elvis covers? I did. No, it was, this was before that came out. But even okay. up to, like, Death Red Sabbath, I, like, man, I don't recommend listening to anything past <laughs> four. Yeah. Maybe some five, some black acid devil in there, but no. overall. I saw him on the Danzig Six tour with Todd Youth, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there were some songs on there at the time I liked. I haven't listened yeah. to that record in 20 years. It's just uh, but so Fugazi Challenge. Past. Fugazi yeah. Challenge. The Fugazi Challenge. Everybody. And the Shelter Challenge, which starts with Perfection of Desire. There you go. Um, Good segue. Yeah, you like that? Bring it, tie it all with a nice little bow as they Bringing say. it back. Yeah. 
bring it the bringing it back podcast. So yeah, let's talk. Let's <laughs> the talk only shop. thing that we did not get to ask Raghunath, and maybe we could just touch briefly on is around this time with uh, the MRR article, especially um, even up into the first 108 record, a second 108 record, sex was a topic that was discussed a lot and I think was a huge turnoff to a bunch of horny 90s hardcore kids. Because you got to think a lot of these kids in 90, 95, 98, they're between the ages of 18 and what, 22? And the last thing you want to tell these fucking kids is, hey, sex is suffering because they're going to be like, yeah, right, bro. You know, and so that's that MRR article where it talks. He goes on, Tim Yohannan, like hammers him about the sex thing. And it's it's brought up in a few uh, songs. It's brought up in the In Defense of Reality book that uh, is conversations between Ray Capo and Capo and Satyaraj Das, who Satyaraj was is is an author goes by the name of Stephen Rosen also. And he has uh, written many books and he helped Raghunath a lot with... Yeah, he was one of his mentors, I think. He he helped a lot with this this record. That's what I was going to say. He's in the liner notes. It's Ray having a conversation with him and and asking questions. And so if you own the record, you should reread the photographs lie um, text that's above that song because Mm -hmm. it's really relatable to... Greg brought it up to 2020 yeah. yeah in the instagram world that we live in yeah, yeah satiraj he's a uh, and uh he's an interesting guy i met him and he's written tons of books and uh they're cool i, I have a bunch I, of them i think that i met him at okay. the bhakti center when i was there yes if you were at the <laughs> bhakti center there's a good <laughs> i was walking around with uh kula pradeep and chris wyatt and then yes i think maybe so. even hector we took hector to the um the Bhakti Center. What was that like? It was, he was like, oh, this is cool, man. Like we went to, that day was cool. We went to Screamers. We started at Screamers and then we walked to CBGB's and then we walked to Tompkins Square Park. We, okay. walked, we saw 26-2nd Avenue. We saw the Bhakti Center and then we walked all the way to Chinatown because I had to get this fucking shirt from the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory because Glassjaw did a mock-up of it, and I wanted the original. And, of course, we saw John Joseph riding his bike, and he hollered at us and stopped. Like, it was a fucking day, man. It was You had, the, you, you had a, a New York minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Michael um, Scott. Did you stop at Sbarro <laughs> for a New York slice? No, because I had a Screamers, like half a Screamers pizza, which was fucking awesome, dude. Um, so, Great. anyway... Yeah, uh, so yeah, we so got off on a tangent. Yeah, we, we definitely went off. Journey right there. So yeah, yeah Satyaraj helped. Check out his books too. If you're, if you're, um, I'll say if you're interested, if if Bhakti, uh, if what we talked about in the interview, did he do um, the um, Avatar art book? Yes. Yeah, that book. My six-year-old kid loves the Avatar art book, and if you're interested in any of the like paintings that you've ever seen. From anything from Cro-Mags to Shelter, 108, all this Christian great art. Great book to get. Great book. It's got, it's got a lot of art from uh, Vedic and uh, Krishna, um, 
related things. And then it's got just a little story about it on, on each page. And some of the art is just beautiful. And so yeah. Yeah, Avatar Art, I recommend that book. Stephen, Ro- so he'll go by, uh, you, you might find his books under Stephen Rosen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Rosen, R-O-S-E-N. And also um, in We're Not In This Alone, which we touched on with, with Raghunath, um, there's a book list. Mm. Uh, and you know, for like, you know, talks about, we support a vegetarian lifestyle and one of his books on their food for the spirit, uh, oh. talks about, uh, different world religions and how they actually all scripturally, uh, seem to back a, uh, vegetarian diet. That's a cool book. And for star Wars people, he wrote a book, uh, talking about the connection of like Vedic uh, teachings and star Wars. And I have that book and I love star Wars. I was so. uh, my grandma when I was growing up had uh, Joseph Campbell and the power of myth. Um, and so I, you know, was always kind of aware of the hero archetype. And so, yeah, to discover that maybe I'm not saying that there's a direct Vedic link, but it's really interesting to see the, you know, how he breaks it on, down it's it's a fun cool book. yeah definitely and also in the for the eagle eye the um in the youth of today final seven inch which you know we talk about next time the, you know how Raghunath's holding a book mm-hmm. in, in that in the van uh he's actually holding the the life and times of lord chaitanya hey should i uh, send you that picture version. of the three of us did you ever see i i stitched it together because you took a picture holding that book, right? Yes. And then I took a picture holding that book, and I put the three of them together, and we're all kind of making the same face. I'll have to, I'll have to find it and send it to you. It's actually pretty. We funny. We'll, we may, we'll need to share it maybe when we do the uh, yeah the the seven day episode. Yeah. Um. I think that we we covered. Uh, pretty much everything in the, in the interview. I'm glad that Jordan Cooper jumped on and especially at the end to give us a little bit of a outsider's perspective. And I, I posited to this group, like, Hey, should we ask Porcel and Sammy to come on and see what they thought? Cause at that point they're outsiders too. Porcel was not a devotee when perfection of desire came out. He played on uh, the subsequent release, no compromise, but I thought it was cool that we we got to talk to Jordan about his feelings about perfection of desire and Ray. That was awesome. And I appreciate Ray breaking everything down for me, someone that's not as familiar with Krishna consciousness. So anyone that's made it this far and is listening that knows this um, information the way that I would know my collection of T-shirts, uh, I appreciate it. And I, I no, appreciate Raghunath yeah. for doing that for me. So. And, and, anyone listening. and hopefully for the people listening, because again, it's not something that everybody knows. And it's not something that f- five and a half years ago, I didn't know anything apart from that. I liked shelter and one Oh eight. Yeah. So do we want to do um, hot tracks? Yeah, let's do it. Us? Yeah. Yeah. Do. And, uh, you know, Greg, before we wrap up, Greg, what's your hot track? I feel like you've been, go- you've gone last the past few times. Yeah, I know. I try to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I track this. This is tough because I have to, but I'm going to say, man, turn it around. Like I want to say photographs lie. Cause I, I think again, the lyrical content is so relevant, 
but going pound for pound, turning around, just that intro yeah. and like the, the riff uh, and, you know, just the way it's like a great opening track. Um, so I'll say turn it around. And I like the Star Trek samples, even though I'm mm-hmm. more into Star Wars than mm-hmm. Star Trek. Uh, man, I, I watched a shitload of Star Trek when I was a kid. I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. Um, I was a bit of a latchkey kid and one of the only kids on the block with cable somehow. And I watched a lot of Star Trek. I loved Star Trek Next Generation. I loved all the Star Trek movies. And I never understood the like, oh, you have to pick Star Trek or Star Wars. Like I liked both of them. I thought they were cool. I fucking loved sci-fi. I loved Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica, huge Dune fan. So are you saying I can have both? You can have both. Yes, turns out. (laughs) Morrissey was right for once. For once. Well, he was right a lot back then. (laughs) I think he was right up until about 2004, and then he started being wrong. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. Uh, Jason, what about you? Hot track for this one is Society Based on Bodies. Yo, just the beginning of that song. Yeah. It's cool. The song is, it's the punkish shelter song. It's the punkest, no, I can't say that because you got reflex from pain, but it's the punkest Ray song, I think. It's got this DI, West Coast adolescence feel to it mm. with the backups and then Tom Capone's hitting you with the guitar leads. Um, I had a mixtape when I was younger, before I was familiar with all of this, before I even had heard Start Today. It was maybe around the same time. And on that tape was DI, Dinosaur Jr., um henrietta collins and the wife beating child haters which was a rollins project that is pretty crazy it is yeah (laughs) and society based on bodies was also interesting in that mix of songs so i always thought of it as just a cool punk song when i moved to the dc area shelter was one of the biggest hardcore bands going and that's when i picked this up Mm -hmm. so society based on, on bodies is my intro track to shelter it's an awesome punk song that's um, all I got. Last night, I sat down and listened to this album with headphones, uh-huh. really nice headphones. And that song in particular, the guitar work struck me because you can yeah. hear the two different uh, guitars, one in each ear, and I could tell which one was Tom Capone. And the, but both <clears throat> little, like kind of in the first part, you know, where he's talking about sexual liberation. Mm-hmm the the guitar work behind that it's really cool because it's like one it's almost the same riff but one is played with more like pinch harmonics and a little yes. more metally and then the other one is just like uh like a little more chugga y and so that that track is really cool to to take a good deep listen i really recommend everyone to listen to this whole album but that song in particular yeah on headphones which sick. is a lost art well, a lot of us don't have time, man, to sit down and listen. Like, I wish that I had one of those, like in an old picture where there was like the egg chair and someone's just chilling next to the record player <laughs> with the big headphones, with the curly uh, input cable and just sitting there listening to the record. I wish that we all had that opportunity. Um, my good friend, Matt Pike, this week just hipped me to the fact that on Spotify, you can change the sound quality settings. And I didn't know that. The, yeah, so the automatic setting is just to have the shittiest 
compression <laughs> and playback. And you have to actually go into settings and all this stuff. And I changed everything to the most high quality. And man, what a fucking difference it, it made. And I think that they did that because if you remember just a couple years ago, <clears throat> like Spotify used up your data. Like, so when you're driving and you're, oh shit, I can't listen to Spotify anymore because my data is about to expire on my fucking cell phone plan. And so the higher quality then eats up the data more and probably burned it out and whatever. If you're in Wi-Fi, I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But like. Useless aside, I just changed it now. Mine was on automatic. I kept the the cellular streaming at automatic, but Wi-Fi, which is where I play it most, I put it on very high. Yeah, nice. Let me say one last thing. Check out Estimated Monkey Time by 76% Uncertain. Uh, which, is, it, which is not on Spotify. Yeah, it's not on way. Spotify, So you're going to have to either... Uh, and I saw a photo on someone's Instagram this week and or last week, and they were talking about how underrated. It might it's have good. been... Um, what's his name? Chad from uh, Chula Vista. Okay. I think he was talking about how un- underrated that it was. And uh, yeah, it's a cool uh, you probably have to listen to it on YouTube, to be That's honest, cool. at this point, if you if you have to stream it. But That'd otherwise, cool. pick up the 12-inch. So what's your hot track, Hop? Man, I really had to narrow it down. I had three, and I had to really, okay. really, really narrow it down. I love the track Shelter. And I, love, I. I love this version more than the attaining the supreme version i love the the way just the way that the the drum machine comes in by itself mm-hmm. i can kind of remember the first time i heard that and was like what the fuck is this and uh, my i believe that my very first introduction to heavy or or alternative or whatever music was through this um cable access channel in Albuquerque and they would play ministry, skinny puppy, Rollins band, dead milkmen. And so I'm like nice. 11 years old and watching a brand new, the brand new video for burning inside. Awesome which is, video. Wow. Yes. <laughs> like that is a fucking wild yeah. video. And Someone so climbing a fence on fire. Oh my God, dude. So I was familiar with, the industrial sound of drums, the sound of industrial drums. And so to hear that then placed into this context and the message of that song, like we talked about the Pranam mantra in that song, it's like, it's crazy. Um, And so that would have been my first pick. I really love enough. And I wish that shelter would play that when they still play. Cause that is, <clears throat> I believe that's enough to me. Sounds like it could have been a youth of today song on the self-titled seven inch sessions. Yeah. Right? Pretty well, similar. And they put, that song is on the rev and flight program. So that was the first song I heard. I knew mantra, uh-huh. but that was the first, um, just the way that it starts with like this. the drum <laughs> fill and it's like fast. Um, so, and his voice crack on enough is like, uh, it's great. But my hot track, sorry to drag this long, is Death and Dying. Um, okay. I think it's the most experimental, besides Shelter, it's the most experimental track 
Uh, it's got the like vocal effects. Um, it's got the, like he was talking about the fucking reindeer bells. Yeah. Um, which is probably, it's the closest to like a traditional Indian percussion that it gets on this album. And, you know, there's a few, if you, if you go to real Kirtan music, there's a few instruments that are, you know, pivotal to this. You got the Murdunga, which is a two headed drum. You have the harmonium, which is a pump organ. You have kartal, which are the hand cymbals. And then sometimes people will bring along uh, tambourines, uh, bells, shakers, stuff like this. But it's not unheard of to see people in a temple using bells like that to, to kind of keep time and keep rhythm. So to me, that was like getting close to some of that Indian or Eastern percussion. And I, I, I appreciated it, but man, the lyrics to death and dying too, like, you know, they're very existential, like when's my time going to come. And then I'm going to find some answers. And it, to me, it's really Ray speaking, like he's on this journey and he's reading, he's studying, he's traveling, he's writing and he really wants to get to the bottom of this bhakti yoga. Yeah, and especially when you listen to it in the context of thinking that this was initially supposed to be it. Like this was his his yeah. uh, his swan re- song his resignation letter. Like, hey, w- what happened to Ray Capo, man? He was in Youth of Today, and then it's like, well, here you go. This is the, this is what he did, and then you know. And I'm I'm glad that we got more music uh, from you know Raghunath via Shelter and Better Than a Thousand and yeah. uh, you know just being able to see him play. But when you listen to it in the context of this being it, it also adds I think a bit of it adds to the record. Because um, I'll say like, and I guess we're going into the personal connections. Yeah, do it. This wasn't one of my favorite Shelter records at first. And now I love it. How'd you find this record? So I didn't get into this until later. Like I had, I I had attaining the Supreme first and then mantra and then quest for certainty. And then I think it was the kind of thing where I was like, Oh, I may as well get the, the first one. And Mm -hmm. I got like the CD at the time. And uh, you know, I knew enough from the in-flight program. And I was kind of like, that's cool. And then within the past like five or six years, I've come around to, I think this is a great record. And uh, it's one of my favorite Shelter releases. It's not my favorite Shelter release. Mm. I'll say that, but it's one of my favorites. I think if Quest for Certainty didn't have, because some of those tracks I just, like I don't like After Forever. I don't like the live stuff. Yeah, whatever. Um, if so if do you not it, like it because you don't like Black Sabbath? I love Black Sabbath. I just don't. Okay. I just don't really like that. I like version that. Of it. I think it's a good cover. But but the first few tracks. I mean, we'll get to that soon enough. But yo, Free Will, mm. Saranagati, like uh, those tracks are the news. Like those tracks are the two seven inches. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. So, so would you say Quest for Certainty then's your favorite Shelter record? Uh, I think this might be it. If you put them all, this would probably be the one that I go for. How about you, Jason? It's hard to say. I got to say Quest for Certainty, but 
Yeah, this one is it's in the running. They're neck and neck. Now, Jason, as a uh, Carmi, <laughs> which is what does that uh, mean? Carmi is a person who is a non-devotee, and it's okay. not it's okay. not in the pejorative necessarily. Yeah. It's just that you practice. You have karma attached to you, right? You're okay. a karmi. So that's, we're devotees, you're a karmi, you're a non-devotee. Um, what do you think of all of the bonus tracks on perfection of desire and quest for certainty? So uh, like the lectures. Yeah, the lectures. And, and quest for certainty has more too, because it's got like, like feel, almost field recording chantings from India. It's got... Doesn't it have the Vishnu Sahasranam? Um, it's got a lot more. There's a lot of bonus. I yeah, them. and I think you skip them. Are there always? No, skippers? no, no, no. I skipped them on. I skipped them on Quest for Certainty, Perfection, Perfection of Desire. I actually listened to it, uh-huh. and it's relatable. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? It's him yeah. talking about sex and uh-huh. the given pull of if I climax then i'm not gonna enjoy it it's i remember the talk uh-huh. you know because yeah, it's very it. like heavy right yeah. but it's heavy but relatable to someone right. that is a carmy so let's say if you're making a shelter mixtape mix cd yeah you, there's some skippers is what you're trying to say <laughs> you're not yep. gonna put yeah and you know what do you mean as far as like the lectures yeah my favorite, favorite, are, my even favorite, even the oh. even the chanting stuff but do you think that you do you think that either of you would put that on there though? Like I don't you're making know if an I, introductory mix. No. Not as an introductory, no. But like, yeah. I you know I've only been a devotee for five years, but I've been a hardcore kid for thirty years or yeah. so. Yeah, and I didn't start listening to those tracks when I became a devotee. You know what I mean? I appreciate yeah. them differently now. But I, I at least checked them out. And I feel like I, I, I wish I could say like, so, you know, through a devotee lens now, mm-hmm. my favorite uh, bonus, well, my favorite Shelter album is Attaining the Supreme. It's the first one That's I heard. That's a great record. Um, and I love, and I feel like I can talk about it here because it's not on Rev, so it's not like we're going to necessarily do it. Would love yeah. to do a bonus episode on it because that was at the height of them just being like, at their, you know, they, they were all monks on that record. Like, yeah. so it wasn't any, it was like, serious. Yeah. And um, I think that one has the melody that I really like. And Porcel, that was his first proper release with them. Um, you know, that's what I don't, don't, that's what I don't like about attaining this. See, I like it. It has, it, yeah. that one has the it's, DC. Oh, it's, I hear yeah. a lot of like yeah. Ryan Baker and Embrace. Seven Seconds vibe almost. Yes. There's some so, stuff on that record for me that's too uh too slow and too slow that also has my favorite kirtan at the end Uh the bonus track on the cd and i'm biased my favorite lecture because it's by my guru Uh uh-huh his grace ravindra sarup das who is also uh parmananda porcel's guru um and he gives a uh he's the i guess track 12 on there and it's a great lecture so they're, they're my two favorites. Well, let favorite me ask album. you this. Okay. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but what, what a uh, lecture would you say, Hey, this lecture on this shelter record is the one that you should listen to. The, the one from attaining the Supreme. Okay. Fair. Not as, it's not saying it's not heavy, but it's not, he more talks about like, um, just the nature of the soul and, 
why we're vegetarian, things like that. He doesn't really yeah. go the whole sex and all that stuff. So I think it's a nice like way to just dip your toe. Unfortunately, that track's not on the streaming services. Yeah, none of okay. them are. On the I don't CD, think. But, I um, would recommend the um, – it's track 12 – on quest for certainty that's the Sri Dayananda Maharaj uh sermon yes um, that's awesome he is the one that we referenced in the talk where he kind of destroys the um deprogrammer and oh, okay. he I listen to his lectures um not frequently and I get his emails like he is like a certifiable genius uh, aside from you know the Krishna consciousness, he is just so smart, and I think that that's a good lecture. It's like twenty six minutes long, and especially um, now he, he his stuff is very relatable, and it's mm-hmm. I don't want to say well he you know he also is part of Krishna West, which is basically trying to you know make things more open to Westerners. Yeah. Like they wear polo shirts instead of, uh, like the, and stuff. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, he's, he's just, he is like Javier said, he's absolutely brilliant, well-spoken, funny. Yeah. Um, so check him out. And for people interested, we, we talked about it and I'll say it again, listen to wisdom of the sages. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I know it's overwhelming because it's every day, but you can start anywhere. You don't yeah, you, need to go back to episode one. And, and you know. the headlines kind of give a good summation of what they're going to talk about on that day. And so just pick one. Uh, honestly, the, the episode with, if you haven't listened to this yet, the episode with Kaylee from 108, Kate 108, uh, Kate 08, that episode would be a great start for this, uh, for listening to Wisdom of the Sages, because it's got talk about Krishna, it's got talk about hardcore. There, it's just a couple old friends talking about music and devotion, and it's uh, and the one I, with uh, Porcel is very good. There's one with uh, Parmananda, so um, and then um, the Radhanath Swami. I, that episode I think was very sweet. Um, so it's it's a good it's a good listen, I believe, and. Since I just brought up 108, we kind of talked about behind the scenes, like 108, not versus shelter, but like those are two moods, two different moods to Krishna core. And I personally was more attracted to the words that that 108 presented and the, oh man, like the, like this has to happen now. It's, it's, to me, it's a little bit more, uh, God, I, I, I'm, I'm can't think straight today. I'm so excited to talk about this. It's a little bit more imperative, I think, whereas shelter and Raghunath, there's a little bit more sweetness to it. There's a little bit more, um, fun to it. And 108, you know, I was super into metalcore. Um, seeing 108 tour with Bloodlet and Coalesce in like 96 mm-hmm. was, oh my, like fucking mind blowing. And I love all three of those bands equally. And I couldn't think of a more different approach to music, um, lyrical content than 108 and Bloodlet and Coalesce. But like somehow it was such a fucking cool show. But 108 was like 
man, each moment without you, I die. Like what a sing along, so even, even yeah, in my killer. darkest depths of, you know, being whatever off of the rails, I would still go see 108 and thinking like, you know, thinking about Krishna. Krishna was in my mind, even then, even in, it's just been there. And that would not have happened if it wasn't for perfection of desire, which planted some of those words, got me to read more, think more, study more. And Porcel, Parmananda, one time he told me, if you let Krishna into your life, if you let Krishna into your heart, it never leaves. You might not become a follower. You might, we call them friends of Krishna. You know, you're si- friends yeah, of Lord Krishna. You are um, sympathetic and empathetic and you, you know. Favorable. Yeah, favorable. Like, so Jason, you, you're not against Krishna consciousness. You're interested no. in it. You, in this lifetime, will not be a devotee but you can appreciate it and you uh, think that it's cool, right? Yeah, I think shelter and 108, that's my, that's my exposure to and level of knowledge that comes with Krishna consciousness. And it's a and lot so, of people in hardcore. And to be honest, what's funny, and I don't want to get too deep because like, you know, we can, maybe we could even save it for a bonus episode yeah. or something, but uh Shelter, much like, you know, Raghunath said about Antidote and Cro-Mags, like he knew of Krishna from that. That's how Shelter and 108 were for me, where like they planted the seed and it took 20 years of knowing for it to uh, come to fruition. So when I met devotees it, uh, like over five years ago, I said, oh, yeah, I know that from, uh, from uh, you know, Shelter so, shelter so I got yeah. a Bhagavad Gita, but it wasn't like like in the '90s where people were like, "Oh my God, I love Shelter," and uh, Ray Capo is at the you know at the temple, so we got to go and watch. Like it wasn't like that. So we, like I said, we can maybe do a, a whole deep dive into all that stuff for a bonus. But um, I just wanted to say, Shelter, super important band to me, and uh, very thankful uh, that we were able to talk to Ruganath. Yeah. Um, and Jason, thank you for, uh, honestly, your inquisitiveness and your um, receptiveness to all of this is um, inspiring. And I think that it's it's really cool that the three of us could do this together. Because if it was the, just the two of us, I wouldn't have held back. And I would have just been like, it would have been more, yeah. more Krishna-centric. But because yeah. you were here and we had to kind of break it down on... Um, you know, more palatable level to people. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I love think it. that other people listening are going to appreciate that too. So, I did, and I, I hope so too. And, uh, but like we said, if you do have questions, if you want to take a deeper dive, hit, uh, you know, me up or Javier, um, you know, I, uh, my Instagram is at Greg Pollard. And like I said, I'm, you know, Gore Shakti Das, if you see that around. Um, and, you know, we can, point in the right direction. And also if you do to bring it back to end hits, if you did the deluxe shelter and you get the bead bag and you go, the heck am I going to do with this? And you're interested in beads or learning how to chant. Same hey, thing. Let's, us, have a, let's have a zoom hangout and we can yeah. uh, teach people how to, how to chant on beads, but Hey, we're going to do another slight detour next episode. Right. 
it's it's we're nearing the end of 2020 and uh there's you know this month is crazy people got a lot of family stuff with holidays and that so next episode is not going to be the next rev record Reg, and we'll leave it at that. catalog. I say, yeah, 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 you got to listen. Tune in. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, like a holiday surprise. Yes. But actually, I will say this. If all goes according to plan, there'll be a couple treats. Uh, there will be. So um, that's cool. It's and voice I, I will say the one thing we can not give away is the last episode of the year will just be kind of a, uh, it'll be what was said, volume three, like a year end wrap. We'll talk about, uh, you know, some highlights from the pods, some of our favorite records this year and things like that. Um, so that'll be the last episode of the year, but there's one and maybe two more coming before that. So be on the lookout. Yep. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bit of bow. Peace. Oh, and a uh, bit of bow to our uh, dear friend of the pod, Aiden Coyle. Bit of bow. Hope you're listening. What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Please excuse my scratchy voice this week, but I wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top-tier patrons. Billy Tunnell, Brandon Gavell, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Dirk Focused, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson Prabhu, uh, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall fame, O'Neill, the horse fucker siren records rob moran tim shear and of course mike the mosher if you're interested in uh giving us some help uh www <laughs> i always mess it up www.wherewetpodcast.com Bidibou.